Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me for another wonderful episode. A wonderful episode because this one is all about fees. Fees. Fees that you probably don't know that you're paying but you are. And I know that because uh, right after this episode, I went out to dinner with a friend and we started chatting about money because I can't help myself. I just need to talk about it, I guess. I'm just obsessed with it. And we started to uh, chat about investing and fees. And she had no idea that she was paying fees on her investments. Like she just, oh, I am? I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. You're for sure paying fees. You cannot invest for free. That's just not a thing that happens. Banks like to make money. Investment firms like to make money. It's all about money. So I'm going to be talking about investing and fees with my next guest, Chris Ambridge, who is the president of Provisus Wealth Management Limited and also the CEO of Transcend Private Client. And he has a wealth, (laughs) pun intended, of knowledge when it comes to investing and fees and everything like that. So we are going to really, you know, get smart today, guys. We're going to learn some facts and figures. This guy really knows what he's talking about. So I'm very excited to uh, chat with him and uh, share this episode with you. So without further ado, let's get to the program. Thank you, Chris, for joining me on the podcast today. I'm I'm excited to uh, talk to you today. I'm looking forward to it as well. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm the president of a firm called Provisus Wealth Management. It is a portfolio management firm that's been around for 10 years, and we manage approximately $400 million for private clients who are looking for something different. Rather than mutual funds or ETFs, they're looking for professionally managed uh, portfolios that are custom-made for their services. And we've recently rolled out a service to clients directly called Transcend Private Clients, which uh, we can talk about later if you like, where clients have the opportunity to um, participate in the same type of portfolios that high net worth clients have, but on a vastly different uh, pay scale and opportunity for performance, where we're actually tying the results clients get to the amount that they have to pay, which is something very different from what happens currently in the Canadian marketplace. Absolutely. So I'm just curious, how did you get into that line of work? Have you always been just really uh, passionate or interested about finance? Um, Not originally. When I came (laughs) out of my undergraduate, I was obviously searching for something to do. I went back to school like a lot of people and got a a master's of business and MBA. And it was there that I saw that uh, investment management was where I uh, wanted to settle. So over a course of uh, several jobs uh, that weren't quite in that field, I moved uh, closer and closer and then finally got into a portfolio management firm and have been actually managing uh, money for clients for going on three decades now. So the opportunity has started to uh, present themselves and what I found over that time working both in Canada, Europe, in uh, other overseas jurisdictions, that is, there's a lot of different ways to manage money, a lot of different ways to get results and, uh, and of course, pay for it. And um, Canada, in certain instances, lags behind the rest of the world in how that is accomplished. And over the course of my career and 
where I've worked. Uh, we've tried to be a bit more innovative, change things up in the status quo and give new look, uh, new feel for clients. And I think we've done that. And uh, some of the things that we've brought out have been uh, certainly revolutionary. And I think as people learn more and more about it, they'll come to realize that you know, what is being offered in the current climate is not always in everybody's best interest. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Canada has legs behind in that respect? Um, Canada has always been a market where um, individual investors have relied upon others to give them guidance, rightly mm-hmm. or wrongly. Um, in certain instances, many studies have shown that people who uh, have listened to advisors at the end of the day have been well rewarded uh, because they've made regular contributions, they've paid off their debt, they've accomplished the goals they set out. So from that perspective, uh, advisors have been very good to clients. In other aspects, um, clients have not done as well because they've not looked into their own situation for their own benefit. They've blindly gone where they've been led. And in a lot of other countries around the world, it's more clients going seeking out information and uh, gathering that information and making decisions. In, in Canada, it's very much what we call a, a push market or a sales market. Clients are sold to um, by the uh, advisor and broker community um, into a product versus a solution that's specific to the client. So Mm -hmm. even to that end, um, that model has been um, very costly to Canadians because Canada is always rated as one of the most expensive uh, investment markets in terms of fees that clients pay. And it's only recently through uh, innovations that have come into Canada, such as robo-advisors or uh, government regulatory changes to make clients and Canadians in general aware that you know, they are paying fees. Mm-hmm. We've done a couple of years ago that two-thirds of Canadian investors in mutual funds didn't even think their advisors earned anything. Well, they do, and they earn quite well. So um, Canadians are slowly becoming aware of it, but it still takes a lot of education and a lot of knowledge to um, get to where they should be. Absolutely. No, and I've heard that quite a bit, especially from lots of the uh, bloggers and friends I have in the U.S. It's very expensive to invest in candidates. You know, we're paying crazy fees compared to lots of other places. Um, You kind of mentioned... Uh, lots of people don't, and, and that's a staggering, uh, percentage that you said that two thirds of Canadians didn't even know that they were paying fees, which is scary because we're all paying fees. And, you know, we, for a long time, we didn't really know. It's, it's, it wasn't very easy to find out how much we're paying, but there is a kind of a new regulation coming in called CRM2, if I'm not mistaken. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Right. Um, and this primarily deals with mutual funds. Uh, it's, exempt on a few other products like segregated funds, which are a product like a mutual fund that's sold at by insurance advisors. Mm-hmm. They tend to be much more expensive because there's certain guarantees and advantages theoretically, but um, in a lot of cases, fees are expensive on that side. But CRM2 is a, a regulatory imposed 
guidelines that has gone into effect actually July 1st, but the first tangible effects will come in on January 1st. And what the primary thing that a lot of uh, investors and Canadians will see is for the first time it becomes mandatory for investment advisors or brokers to show clients exactly how much the advisor earns when they sell a product or a mutual fund to that client. So clients will see how much they're earning. Um, they don't see the whole picture because the CRM2 only is required for the advisor's portion, not the manufacturer. So if you go to and buy mutual funds, usually there's two pieces of the fees, how much the company that uh, creates the fund earns and how much the advisor who sells it earns. Um, so clients are going to see the one side of it, uh, the second piece, you can see the total fee as mm -hmm. a client um, if you dig and want to see the true numbers. Uh, even that is, is becoming more available because there's a requirement for what's called fact sheets to provide it to every Canadian when they buy a new fund or a new piece of an existing fund. So those are mandatory requirements. So by studying that two-page document, clients can easily see how much they earn in aggregate. But advisors pay... Um, is now going to be transparent. And you know, a lot of advisors out there do very good things for their clients, and they should be paid. They should be compensated mm -hmm. and should uh, be remunerated for what they do. Um, others, however, are simply salespeople uh, selling a service that is paying them an ongoing fee because uh, clients pay fees based on the total asset they have on an ongoing basis. So you as a investor or a client should be comfortable that the fees you're paying, uh, you're getting service for them. Mm -hmm. uh, if not, there's lots of other alternatives out there that can help you. And one other thing that uh, actually CRM2 is going to do, which uh, is even more important because fees is one side of the coin. The other side is results. You know, mm -hmm. if you're getting value or performance for your money, most people are happy with that. Well, most people don't actually see their performance. Most statements that they've gotten in the past have not generated their performance or shown any sort of comparison. And, you know, some people will say, well, I generated, you know, 10% return. Well, that's all well and good, but, you know, the market did 20%, so you underperformed. Now yeah. it's going to be obvious for clients what they pay and what they get for it. So there is a very tangible benefit. Coming clients in this regard. Yeah, no, that's that's really exciting because I even have um, not too long ago, me and my husband read our, uh, you know, a, a meeting with our financial advisor, and I want some clarity on some of our investments. And he just made it seem very difficult to, you know, I'm just like, how I just want to know what the number is, how much are we paying for this, you know, particular mutual fund, and he just kind of talked in circles and kept on referring to well, it's the you know, this percent, but it just wasn't very helpful what he was saying. I'm like, no. And so I'm glad this kind of regulation is coming into play because there should be more clarity and it should be, you know, people should know, yeah, not just how much they're paying for something, but also, you know, what the results are, not just how much, oh, if your return is this, but no, your return might be 10%, but if everyone else is making 20%, then you're not doing so well. So I'm, I'm glad this is coming into play. What, when exactly... Is it rolling out? Has it started to, or, or it will be soon? Well, the legislation has gone into effect, but the, the advisors and the brokerage community have a six-month 
a window to get all their statements and reporting ready. And as of July 1st, uh, clients will receive or start to receive a new form of information in terms of uh, quarterly or monthly statements which show the performance, which will show the benchmark, which will show uh, other information that clients should be aware of, and of course fees. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I should mention on the fees that advisors receive, it's the total gross fee, and that all doesn't all come to advisors because like mm-hmm. everybody, an advisor has uh, costs, like they have a, a dealer or a, a broker firm they work for that takes part of their fees uh, to cover expenses. So to say an advisor earns 1% or 1.5% is not completely fair because uh, mm-hmm. there's other um, hands that take portion of that. But it's it's something that people should be aware of. You know, if, if a client is more substantial and they have hundreds of thousands of dollars or half a million dollars, these become uh, important. Not just Absolutely. Important. It's a lot of money. <laughs> well, and adds up over time, too. Yeah. You know, if you look at a fee over a long term, say you take a 2% fee on $10,000, um, that's, what, $200 a year. Uh, mm-hmm. That's every year for the next 30 years until you decide to retire. Well, 30 times... Two hundred—that's six thousand dollars you're paying in fees. That maybe mm-hmm. worth it to you, maybe not. Mm-hmm. You have to decision and make that informed decision. Absolutely. I wanted to kind of chat about what the different ways advisors are compensated. I feel like there is a big gap. People, you know, first off, don't know that they're paying for lots of the uh, investment products that they're getting, but I don't think they know the different ways their advisor might be compensated. I know I did, you know, obviously research before we went with our advisor. I asked him straight up, how are you being compensated? Um, So I know kind of what your uh, motivation is for pushing certain products. So do you want to kind of... uh, 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 explore some of the different ways advisors are compensated that we should all be aware of? Well, I mean, you can start with the bare bones. If you go to buy a stock or a bond directly from a broker, you're charged a commission. Mm-hmm. And that is spelled out or should be spelled out whether you're at a discount brokerage or a, um, a full-service brokerage like one of the banks will type thing. So they'll tell you exactly what you charge. So it's on a per-trade basis based on the number of shares and the, the value. Uh, then you can look at things like GICs. You know, when you go to a bank or a credit union and you're quoted uh, 2% on your five-year GIC, you think, okay, that's fair. Well, really, you're paying a fee on that because the uh, underlying bank or whomever uh, takes something. They're earnings. So clients think they're not paying for GICs. Well, they are. Um, mm-hmm. You look at, uh, I guess, the the biggest... Uh, service is in Canada mutual funds. Well, mutual funds, there is what's called an MER, which is the manufacturer's expense ratio. So that's an ongoing recurring fee that's deducted on mutual funds basically every day that your monies are invested. So that's part of the fees that the advisor earns, the manufacturer earns. There's even government taxes in there. Um, It wasn't too long ago that there was no uh, HST on mutual funds. Uh, The government's change that and now you pay taxes on your retirement money that a lot mm-hmm. of people pay for. Um, even in the mutual funds there's certain fees that are readily available like trading costs which are uh, costs the clients have to bear or marketing costs which are not at the top line 
report. So some people have to dig deeper. Mm -hmm. uh, some clients will get um, what's called uh, financial planning fees. So, for example, you go and get a, a perhaps a lower cost fee from a, a mutual fund company, but the advisor is paid directly. So you want to have consultation fees on how to set up your estate or start saving money for your children's education or purchasing a house down the road, they'll charge a direct fee for you. Um, mm -hmm. So various fees in that regard. And the thing to also remember is different fees have different tax treatments. So mm -hmm. the fees, for example, that you pay on a mutual fund are not tax deductible. Right. Whereas right. if you come to a portfolio manager, the monies that you pay for fees uh, for open or corporate or non-registered accounts are tax deductible. So not only are you getting perhaps a more sophisticated source, you're generally getting it at a cheaper rate. So there's fees everywhere. The question yeah. is, how are they displayed to you? How are they charged? You know, even people think, for example, um, ETFs. You know, ETF has been a a growing uh, phrase and a, a growing sales area. It's reached $100 billion in sales in Canada, $2 trillion in the United States. The tagline is um, they're very inexpensive. Well, the reality is some are very inexpensive. Some have a higher cost. Uh, and people don't even, even imagine. Uh, for example, on an ETF, the idea is an exchange-traded fund is designed to track an index. Mm -hmm. So by paying that fee, you expect that index's performance. That's the premise. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, because of the way the monies are managed, there's usually a discrepancy excluding fees from the underlying performance. So the manufacturers, through no fault of their own, but to create the, fund, the ETFs, are impacting a client's performance because they're underperforming the results. So there's all these little, uh, not costs or fees, but costs to the client. And people just have to be aware that, you know, uh, sticker shock is one thing, but what actually you're paying is another mm -hmm. thing in a lot of cases. Now, that's interesting you bring up the tax thing because I didn't, I didn't ever think that I was actually paying tax on those fees. That's something that I just never even thought about. Yeah. So, if, for example, you go and see a MER of a mutual fund, and they say it's 2%, and you're living in the province of Ontario, for example, well, you pay HST, which is 13% on top of that. So that's Jeez. another 26 basis points, or a quarter of a percent, roughly, mm -hmm. that you're paying to the federal government and the provincial government for the pleasure of owning that mutual fund. <laughs> well, that's fun. <laughs> yep. There's no escaping taxes unless you're very uh, good with your money and manage your money appropriately. So you want to manage your money as tax efficient. Yeah. A lot of people are concerned with fees, but the best way to minimize the fees is um, prevent taxes from being taken. Mm -hmm. So top up your RSP, maximize your TFSD. URESP, uh, invest your money in a tax-efficient way. So your registered accounts should have your fixed income, which are the most punitive mm -hmm. tax vehicles in the country, and open accounts um, should have equities. Right there, mm -hmm. you're in that one little 
sentence or structure if you, where you can save a lot of money. Absolutely. More than any at all. So. Yeah. So so, sorry. No, no, you, you continue. This is very fascinating. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just people should be, try to learn more. They should question their advisors. They should be aware that uh, there are things to do beyond just buying a mutual fund and you know, socking it away for 20 years mm-hmm. by asking the questions and learning the responses from uh, somebody who hopefully knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's better off at the end of the day. Absolutely. So speaking of fees, so the wealth management firm that you work for, there you are doing a kind of a, a different uh, type of fee structure. It's called the Transcend Pay per, for Performance Model. Did you want to kind of talk about that? Because it's something that I've never really seen before, and it's, it's, it seems pretty interesting. Um, I believe we're the first to uh, put it in full force across Canada. Um, part of the reason is because of what we're doing. We've mm-hmm. basically come to the conclusion that we know that we can generate uh, substantial performance for clients and, and do better than a, a preset benchmark or uh, gauge to say how well we've done. So what we've done is we've cut our costs below most ETFs uh, to 25 basis points so or a quarter of a percent. So that's our administration cost. So anybody that decides to use our service directly through the Transcend.ca uh, website will be charged that on the equity funds. That covers mm-hmm. the cost of operating the fund. So it covers the uh, trading costs, the custodians, the fund accounting, all the regulatory costs. We don't make a penny. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is then say, okay, client, what we're going to do is we're going to be on the same side of the table as you. We're going to be, for the first time, um, working with you and not earning anything until we deliver outperformance or better results. So, for example, if we put you into a Canadian equity fund Mm -hmm. and we outperform its performance, we do better, Mm -hmm. then we get paid. So every quarter, we will say, okay, the Canadian stock market was up 10% last quarter. Well, Transcend's funds were up 12%. So we outperformed by two. So clients get to keep all the performance up to the 10%. It's that 2% where we then would take a fee. So we outperform by 2%, better than ETFs, better than most mutual funds. So we'll take a percentage of that 2%. So we'll take 20% bonus, if you will, of how much we outperformed. Mm -hmm. So that way, by delivering results to clients where they see positive success, we earn our money. And that's revolutionary as far as I know. Yeah, so if a client doesn't, or like their fund doesn't beat the market, or it matches the market, you don't make anything? We don't make anything. Oh. (laughs) Well, I hope, yeah, I guess it's in your best interest that they perform better than the market then. Right, and part of, well, I mean, a lot of people can try and do it because that's everybody's goal is to add value, Mm -hmm. but we do it without taking risks, so we're going to match the risks. We're not you know, trying to shoot for the stars here. We're trying for doing, you know, little incremental gains every day and mm-hmm. adds value. We're not cowboys or shooting for the stars, as I said. So it's a different exactly. model. 
um, people start to have it. And we, the funds have that we use in the transcend side have been available for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we post our performance so people can see exactly how we've done it historically. And the results are there. Okay. Um, so, we hope uh, a lot of people will please give it a thought. Yeah, no, definitely. Sounds very interesting. So you you mentioned a couple of times the type of like what type of clients are should approach you and 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 kind of look into this transcend pay for performance model. You kind of mentioned that um, you deal with kind of high wealth uh, clients first, right? Um, and as we've evolved over time, a lot of our emphasis has moved from the you know the million dollar clients down to clients that are um, accumulating wealth. They're growing their retirement funds or they've come into some assets or they have some liquid money. We're not, a lot of robo-advisors will take people with $5,000. Because of the way we are structured, um, our minimum is only $50,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take all account types, so clients as a household, if they have $50,000 and they have it you know, in RSPs or TFSAs for couples. Um, there's many ways of putting it together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the minimum to get into the structure. So obviously it's um, not for everybody, but mm-hmm. it's for people that have gathered some assets and are uh, looking for a different solution. So it's kind of not for the the people that are just starting out, but people that have kind of build up some wealth and want to graduate to kind of something to the next level, kind of get to the next level with their investment. I think so, yeah. If you look historically, um, mutual funds have always been the the starter Mm -hmm. for most people um, because you can get in with thousand dollars five thousand dollars whatever the the fund company is setting as their minimum and as you've accumulated wealth then you start to look at other solutions whether it's a stock portfolio or private clients or you know hedge funds or those type of structures so it does require uh, more wealth to move into those more uh, selective vehicles Um, you know the robo structures are there for clients that want to start, but even then, the costs um, are not bare bones. Mm-hmm. Still, a lot of mouths to feed in that process. Um, we know from our experience and our cost comparison that uh, the mechanism that we've put in place uh, is more economical clients fair. You know, you don't pay unless you get results, mm-hmm. um, and certainly compared to mutual funds, which um, have had a lot of uh, negative press recently because yeah. fees yeah. are a big attraction and do cost performance. So we think it's a fair way. Um, it's just a matter of clients becoming aware. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. No, I, I'm so glad that we got to talk about fees in depth for this episode. It's something that I think a lot of people, it, it may not be like a sexy topic exactly, but I think it's super, super important because I don't think people, A, realize they're paying fees or realize how maybe their high fees that they're paying are really affecting their results and the money they could be making on their investments. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Chris, so much for joining me. So where can people find more information about this uh, Transcend Pay for Performance model and more about your firm? The uh, Transcend Pay for Performance has its own website called transcend.ca. It is a place to start. It gives you a lot of beginning information. There's a lot of articles and content. There's also videos of how the structure works, so it's transparent. Performance is there. Um, the way we work is every client that comes to us will have an in-depth uh, conversation with a registered portfolio manager who will take them through a questionnaire, build a specifically tailored investment policy statement outlining the best way to build their portfolio, show them exactly what the fees are, uh, you know, Transparency is, is paramount at this stage, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, just because fees are required to be shown, they should be shown in every yeah. aspect, and, and clients should be educated too as to you know, what their results have been and how they've been arrived. So, start at transcend.ca um, is the perfect place to look and learn more. Fabulous. Oh, well, thanks again, Chris, for uh, chatting with me and sharing some of your knowledge about uh, this crazy finance world. <laughs> okay, my pleasure. And if you have any other questions or want clarity, happy to answer whenever I can. Thank you very much. And that was episode 58 of the Mo Money podcast with guest Chris Ambridge from Transcend Private Client. And of course, he mentioned the website if you're interested in learning more about their pay for performance uh, program that is very unique. Um, all you have to do is go to transcend.ca. That's spelled T-R-A-N-S-C-E-N-D.ca. Transcend.ca. All right, you got it. And of course, make sure to check out the show notes for this episode. I am going to break down what we talked about in this episode. If you kind of just want a bit more clarity and just, you know, uh, kind of remind yourself of what we talked about, check out the show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 58. And uh, you know what you should do right now? You should give me a rating or a review. If you're not comfortable giving me a review, that is totally cool. All you have to do is give me a rating. The little stars makes my heart, you know, feel 10 times bigger when I see that. Or if you're feeling a bit, you know, spicy and, I don't know, in a good mood or whatever, and you really enjoy this episode or just my show in general you know, leave me a little review, you know, that'd be kind of cool. And I'd give you a shout out, read it out on a future episode. So I will see you back here tomorrow because I have a new episode for you. It is not part of my listener series. It is a very special episode though, because um, as I mentioned on here in a couple previous episodes, I uh, organized and hosted my very first event called the Millennial Money Meetup here in Toronto, where I live. And it was a blast and kind of a success, guys. Not going to brag, but it was kind of a big deal. Um, We had a full house. I had to cut registrations within uh, two weeks and... And we had almost 140 people and lots of you, actually some, maybe you're listening and you came to my event. Thank you so much. I tried to meet as many um, people at the event, tried to say hi to everyone, but of course there was a ton of people. So if I didn't say hello, it's not because I was trying to be a jerk. It's because I'm so sorry. I just missed you. And hopefully I will do more events in the future and I'll be able to say hello. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, a rocking event. It's all about creating community, getting people together to talk about money 
money, learn about money, especially us millennials. And it was it was a blast. I can't wait to do the next one, trying to figure out what that's going to look like and when it'll happen and all that great stuff. But in the meantime... I recorded the panel discussion I have with myself, uh, Barry Choi, Michelle Summerfield, and Daniel Tia, who were my panelists. And now I'm going to share it with you in tomorrow's episode. So uh, even though you couldn't be there possibly, or you were there, or whatever, you want to listen to it again, hey, I got you covered. It is going to be tomorrow's episode. So please enjoy, and I will see you back here tomorrow. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.